to The Anthroposopher, where we bring anthroposophy to life through interviews, conversations, and explorations. I'm Lars Capitici, your host. In this interview with Dr. Lakshmi Prasanna, we talk about saying yes to life, education as a healing force, and the 12 senses. That's right, not five senses, 12. To find out more about the 12 senses, go to 12senses.org and head to Pathways to a Human Future, the International 12 Senses Conference, August 6th through 10th, 2020, in Spring Valley, New York. That's 12-T-W-E-L-V-E-Senses.org. To support this podcast, subscribe and tell your friends about it. Head to anthroposophy.org to become a member of the Anthroposophical Society in America and check out our extensive educational resources at anthroposophy.org slash webinars. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Hi, Lakshmi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've had um, a long few days here. We're up at White Feather Ranch in Northern California. And uh, you've been working with a group of people um, using the book, The Study of Man. Yeah. But, but like, you know, there's dancing and singing. I, I usually haven't heard that connected to Study of Man, but um, which is a Rudolf Steiner book that is um, often used for teachers, right? Yeah. And mostly it's teachers you've been working with here. Yes. But. Most of them are teachers. Mm-hmm. And all of them came. This is the second time for them. Mm-hmm. We call it modules. Okay. This is the second module for them. Great. We met um, as a group in the last summer here in the same place oh. and had an amazing meeting and worked hard. Yes, there's joy, but there's striving. They really worked hard last yeah. three days. I saw that, and I saw the depth of the work. So mm-hmm. I think um, for people that are listening, they're probably, some of them are just trying to read Sarna for the first time, and I heard you say, you know, that sometimes they might want to throw the book across the room um, uh, and just, you know, feel upset or, you yeah. know, need to move away from it. And what I saw you doing today, it was so extraordinary, um, this process of, numbering each paragraph and then asking questions about each paragraph and then finding the keywords and then sort of looking at the whole architecture of the lecture after that. So can you talk about that a a little? Because this is a very deep way of studying that I think something lives in the group and in the individuals once you do it this way. Yeah, yeah. These lectures are given 100 years ago and, and the context was an amazing context just before the first world of school was started. Mm. And this teachers, group of teachers are listening to, were listening to Rudolf Steiner. And they're so relevant, these lectures now. But the language is like any spiritual master. Mm. He brought this in images, in cryptic language. And we have to work harder to meet it at the physical level and to meet with our life, asking questions, sleeping with it, waking up, asking more questions, mm. sleeping with questions, not rushing to the answers. And in the process, we also come together as a group. We work in the group, but individuals thinking. Mm. So it's a process in the group, which happens to an individual. Mm. There's, there's a lot of sympathy, antipathy between people. And there's always, we reach a point of love. Mm. So it's not only meeting Rudolf Steiner, it's also building a community who is meeting Rudolf Steiner. Mm-hmm. We meet as a group. Yeah. But as individuals, we are contributing. And then we, we work 
we spend a lot of time in understanding each paragraph and bringing a question, but no one is in a rush to answer it. The process is only asking question, creating a question, which comes out of human life itself. It's a very good way of meeting an ethic. Mm. And then we look at the keywords, the essence of the paragraphs in a in a phrase or in a word. And in the process, we bring relationships between the paragraphs. Mm. So it's a process which brings the astral meeting Rudolf Steiner at that level. Proportions, ratios, relationships. And then while we are doing it, we also enter this amazing experience of meeting a form meeting the being of Rudolf Steiner through this. So in us, in our own inner path, we are moving from our physical to all the way to this longing to meet the being of Rudolf Steiner hmm. through that lecture, and each lecture. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's an amazing process. Yeah. yeah. And which was given to us when I was doing my medical training to become an anthroposophic physician. Okay, by my great. teacher, and then I applied that to the study of man. And it's pure joy and a lot of hard work. And the chapter we are doing a lot of sympathy and antipathy. Mm -hmm. So we had fun talking about where we had sympathy for the lecture, where we experienced <laughs> antipathy for the lecture. So you came in the right time. Yeah, well, I really saw, I saw all these... Um, keywords written on the floor that this they were on little cards and they were spread out on the floor and people were grouping them together or looking at the words I think the first thing you asked them was you know what what's your feeling about these words what's your reaction mm -hmm. and sympathy and antipathy even to certain words mm -hmm. that were listed that distilled different paragraphs of the the chapter you were reading so mm -hmm. yeah it's really um, a different way of working and just talking about meeting Rudolf Steiner, I don't know if people always have that feeling that they're they're doing that. Um, I've found in certain things I read that, yeah, I can really feel the presence of the author, mm. whether it's Rudolf Steiner or another philosopher or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just such a different process I've yeah. never seen. Yeah. So deep. Um, it's a living process. Yeah. So when when we enter a living, growing process through day and night, and as individuals and also connected to the group, we are actually giving birth to something new. Mm. And for me, human thought is something that happens between two spaces, a new birth between the human vessel and the angelic realm. Mm. So this whole study of man part is actually the exercise of thinking. Mm -hmm. Before that, students went into nature Mm -hmm. and then worked with Gothianistic way of studying plants. Right. And before that, the morning started with the movement, singing and dancing and movement. Mm -hmm. So the morning, the whole morning through movement, through Gothianistic study, through this text study where we are, we are having this responsibility to have a feeling to our thoughts. We're developing feeling mm -hmm. towards independent thinking. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, and that is hard work, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you, so you learned this in your medical um, yes. training, your anthroposophical medical training. One question I always ask people is, how did they encounter anthroposophy? Yeah. And so can you, can you distill that a little bit? I was a trained medical doctor, mm -hmm. and I had my firstborn child, around three, four-year-old, going to Catholic 
kindergarten in South India in Hyderabad. And teacher and me had a little problem and then we were asked to leave. Mm. So I was a busy doctor and I was desperate to get the right school, right kindergarten for my daughter. And at that time, I was not aware of anthroposphere wall of education. Right. And I went to many schools mm -hmm. to see which school is really good for my child. I was not very, not pleased with what was given to me mm -hmm. as a possibility. Then one of the educational uh, pioneers from South India, she was an 80-year-old woman. Wow. And she gave me a phone number and she said, this lady, uh, Dutch lady, She's visiting India and traveling through and giving a lecture on summer education, uh -huh. if you would like to go and listen. So that evening, I left my work and then went to listen to her. That was Tina Bryansma, mm. a Dutch teacher mm -hmm. who was traveling through India talking about wall of education. And that was it. That was it. That yep. was it. <laughs> you know, our children have a way of helping us find <laughs> our that, spiritual path. <laughs> yeah, that evening changed me. Mm. And then I met my uh, future co-workers in that group of audience and one of our pioneer teachers, lead teachers later, who became lead teacher, and a person who started the first world of kindergarten, and uh, my co-parents. So we all, within a few days from that day, we were part of the first world of kindergarten. In India? In India. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's remarkable. And then I never looked back. Wow. I never oh looked back gosh. after that. And, and, then, and there's so much Waldorf education in India now. It's, it's just growing. Yeah. It's just growing. So my heart is everywhere. There is growth. I support yeah. it. Yes. That's and amazing. then now I do last five years, I do my own teacher training courses. Yeah. Oh, that's super. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that changed the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So through this rigorous, um, well, through your child and then through this sort of rigorous um, anthroposophical medical training. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I came through education, Wall of Education, and then we started the medical group. Mm -hmm. And we brought medical training to India, me and my co-worker. Wow. Yeah. Very close friend. And we both are doctors and we were parents of first fall of school. Oh my gosh. So well, we were together done. in it. Yeah. And then of course simultaneously curative education camp hill came uh -huh. through another couple into India and the biodynamic farming came. Yes. So now we are a small family working with education, medicine, farming, curative camp hill Amazing. movement yeah. and art therapy. And we have trained physiotherapists and post-pickle physiotherapists and occupational therapists in India. Wow. And a whole group of psychologists who can train now independently. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We have grown. Yeah. And my children have grown, but I'm still, yeah, in the school. Yes. <laughs> I think that happens to a lot of people. Yes, <laughs> you understand. Yes, that. I yeah. do. Yeah. So, um, so now you said your primary work is you're, you're doing teacher training. And can, yeah, can tell us more. Yeah. And I live in Australia. My both girls uh, continue to go into World of High School in Australia. Okay. Because at that time, India was not ready for high school. Okay. So I went with them to Australian high schools. And they're in the universities. Mm -hmm. And I now live in Australia, travel oh. between Australia and India okay. quite frequently. And most of my work in Australia is a school doctor. Okay. Last 12 years, I travel between schools, building a culture where Wall of Teachers can actually ha have access 
to physiology hmm. and to the healing aspects of all of education. Right. And that was my passion. Yeah. Can you say more about the healing aspects of Waldorf education? I mean... To go back to Rudolf Steiner, he said, when education continues, it naturally enters healing. And when healing evolves, it becomes education. Hmm. So I see them as a circle moving one into the other. And when I was a child, I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. Then... That was not the situation, and I became a medical doctor, and then I became a pediatrician so that I'm still close to the children, And then, but life has given me opportunity mm-hmm. to come back into teaching. Yes. So I see both very deeply interwoven, mm-hmm. inseparable, mm-hmm. educator and healer. Yes. And it's like Archangel Michael and Raphael. Mm. Wow. The space between them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's my passion. Yeah, educator and healer. Educator. So all educators are healers and all healers can educate educators. What a different conception of education <laughs> than is in the you know sort of rest of the yeah. world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in my practice, I have seen so many children who needed healing, needed wall of curriculum, wall of school. Yeah. And sometimes I even see it as a preventive measure, mm. primary preventive measure. So where I could see a child constitutionally sensitive, could have become hyperactive, could have become, could have encountered some challenges. Sometimes I feel when they have gone to world of school, they didn't have to go through the challenges. Right. Yeah. It's very hard when you are working with the preventive principles to prove. Mm-hmm. Right, to because have like, yeah, research that data that shows that it was prevented because of this yeah. intervention. Yeah, right. Which yeah. is the Waldorf School is yeah. what you're saying. The Waldorf School was the intervention. Inter- intervention and it's generating health. It's aha. Uh-huh. So how do I measure generation of health? Because in today's world, people understand illness and illness to wellness. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying actually, uh, there is a subclinical illness. Mm-hmm. which could be prevented mm-hmm. from manifesting as illness. Mm-hmm. And another step above that is actually generating health. What's this word? Uh, salutogenic. Salutogenic. I, yeah, I was like, what is that word? I heard this gentleman from the UK actually yeah. uh, involved in a lot of healing education there, and he kept saying the word salutogenic, and I had to look it up. But now yeah. I'm hearing it again. It's, yeah. it's health-giving. I heard it. I read my first encounter before I even met my mentor, my teacher, Dr. Michaela Glockler, mm. was her book, Healing Education, mm. her lectures which were given in Sacramento. That touched me very deeply. And I was fortunate to meet her Yeah. a few months after I read the book. And, yeah, she's been my mentor ever since. That's amazing. I've yeah. learned a lot from her. Yeah. Yes, and she is, just so people, um, she, she has a new book out about technology yeah. um, recently, and she works at the Gertianum. She's the head of the medical section, yeah. right, which is a, a circle of people yeah. connected to anthroposophy doing medical research. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, it's an amazing book what she just released on technology. Mm -hmm. In India, a group of us, we are working to see whether we can bring it into Indian context. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Give examples of Indian children. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So you're educating teachers to be able to 
heal. And that's part of what was happening here. Um, and then you're working with children and parents to help that healing happen as well. Can you tell us some of the, um, issues that you see in children today that maybe, I don't know when you first started, has there been a change? Has there been an emergence in issues or always? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Big change because we were trained as pediatricians to treat, especially in India, to, to cure infectious diseases okay. and to improve the child's health and to monitor the child's development and growth. But that's not what I needed to do in my clinical practice. More and more I encountered developmental challenges and more and more parents came to me to ask about how to work with sensitive children, mm. how to support child's soul development. Their soul development. Yeah. Mm. The physical to soul moved very quickly. Mm. Wow. The whole change. So I no longer was needed to treat um, a diarrheal illness or cough and cold or, or preventing infections. In, even, even in India, I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20, 30 years ago already, the whole trend changed to parents coming and asking, my child is turning one. Do I have to know anything about my child for the next year? My child is nine-year-old. How do I understand my child? Mm. That was really a big thing for me. Anthroposophy helped me a lot in empowering me in my guidance to the parents. Mm -hmm. And, of course, working with the schools is enormously helpful for me Mm -hmm. to even to guide non-Waldorf, non-anthroposophical communities. I work a lot with non-anthroposophical communities also not only with world of schools. Oh, that's great. That's great. And a big community is autism, children with severe autism in India. Okay. So we could, I could work with them as a healer, as an anthroposophic physician, but I also could start a school based on world of curriculum for them as part of my hospital. And that was for me very deeply educational and another life-transforming event that happened in my life. Hmm is encounter with the child in the spectrum that totally transformed me. That put me on a different inner path. And today who I am is partly because of that journey. And me and my co-worker, who is an Australian physiotherapist, we both published our work together. Me as a physician and he as an anthroposophic physiotherapist, we work together. Working from the senses, working also from the spiritual perspective and social circles to work, to how do we serve these children in the spectrum. So we just published a book in 2017, Meet Me Who I Am. Meet Me Who I Am is the name of it. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. And it's whole thing is from the children. Mm. It's deeply gratifying. The relationship now I really treasure is what lives between me and this group of children in South India. Mm. Yeah. It's, I, it's hard for me to describe it in words. Yeah. With a non-verbal group of children who are in their 20s mm. and me out in the world, academic, intellectual, speaking, working with money. Right. Yeah, and working with technology and trying to balance both worlds. Right. Yeah, so like stepping into that world with them, which is so different than this world. Um, but it seems like 
I feel like when you're talking about them, they're always with you. Always. Yeah. And I do feel I'm always with them. Mm, how mm. nice. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's more than nice. I'm grateful. Mm. I'm grateful that this happened in my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful I was open and said yes for this path. However hard it was. That's a really beautiful story. I mean, just that openness um, was life-transforming, and if yeah. you hadn't been yeah. available for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I learned in my life through anthroposophy. The more I say yes to life, the more I say yes to the spiritual will, the harder the life becomes. Yes. But also richer it becomes. <laughs> and then I'll go back and do the same thing. Every step I did in my life, I'll do the same. Mm. So there are no regrets. Mm-hmm. That's so good. That's that's um, for people listening that might not know, but there's a verse called the destiny verse yeah. that you basically were just saying. It's like, life grows more beautiful around me. Life grows more arduous, arduous. for me. Yeah, yeah or something like that. Yeah. So uh, people should look that one up because it's so powerful yeah. about and it's real for me it's not a verse yeah i feel it's my life mm. yeah. amazing so uh, can you tell us um maybe there's some other things you want to talk about but i want to make sure we talk about some of the things that are coming up for you yeah. um yeah and and of course more training between australia and india and more to travel and in august first week of august i come back to this country to be part of Carl Koenig celebrations. Yes, the Twelve I'm Senses really Conference. Looking forward to meet my co-workers and to listen to them. What was it for them to work with this amazing gift of Twelve Senses? I think I encountered this whole understanding of Twelve Senses maybe sixteen years ago, and I'm equally excited from the first day sixteen years ago till today. Twelve senses is the topic which excites me all the time. And the more I meet people who are working with that, and the more I learn, there's so many ways of meeting this, mm-hmm. using this tool and working with it, living with it, and celebrating Rudolf Steiner, and later Dr. Carl Koenig, mm-hmm. and of course Dr. Eta Beckman. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I cannot take Dr. Carl Koenig's name without taking Dr. Eta Beckman's name. That's <laughs> right. That's right. So if people might not know, but Carl Koenig founded um, or created Camp Hill Communities, which are communities for people um, like co-housing, shared um, living communities for people with different disabilities. And they all Absolutely. live together in this sort of... I don't know if people have come into Waldorf schools and experienced that. It's that type of beautiful living and experience that, um, and people share life together. Yeah. Yeah. So when I work with Camp Hills, what I understand is whatever is happening in Camp Hill, whatever these individuals who are in need of special soul care are demanding, inviting, creating through us, helping us to create is what entire humanity needs today and for future Mm. I wish there's one place where I breathe and sleep peacefully Camp Hill Mm. I wish that whole world is like that yeah like beautiful rhythm and just caring for each other and And look at each other 
as a as a spirit which is coming here and coming into this body this physicality and always in need of some special soul care from brothers and sisters that's for me just not these individuals in camp hill it's a story of every human being it's just that we don't have courage to show that part when i'm traveling through this world through the airports through the shopping centers through the post office through everywhere i meet people i wish this for every human being every human being to have this courage and transparency and willingness to show that vulnerable part of the human soul hmm. and we care for one another yeah what a different world it would be totally that's my dream yeah <laughs> that's my dream well good maybe we can carry that with you yes, <laughs> yes. so this 12 senses conference um it's august 6th through the 10th in spring valley new york and yes. you're one of the presenters among many, many um many and uh the anthroposophical society will be there i think i'm doing a workshop there too on wow. something so i'm going to get to see you again <laughs> um but yeah, so you'll be back for that, and then you'll be continuing this teacher training here as well. Yes. And okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm really looking forward for that conference because nothing like having this communion yeah. with the coworkers who are inspired from the same yeah indications, same gift. Yeah. That's and, a different kind of brotherhood and sisterhood. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. I think probably um I don't know if we could just name the 12 senses in this podcast uh because yeah. people don't know what they are. Yeah. Um but everybody thinks of 5, but um yeah. 12 were indicated by Rudolf Steiner in connection to healing yeah. work uh or work with children or what's fascinating for me to work with 12 senses is like how Rudolf Steiner talks about our organs, human organs, like liver, lungs, heart, kidneys, are also sense organs. Mm-hmm. Mm. And they are sensing each other, they're sensing a different space and then functioning differently. And then we have these sense organs and these 12 senses which he describes. And the way he described them is amazing for me. He did not put them like a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, but he described a group of senses. And a little later added another group. And a little later added another group. And then said 11 senses and the other. <laughs> and, and the language he used and the way he presented them to us makes me always wonder, where is he taking us? So is it about knowing the names in order or entering this, this wheel of 12 senses? Mm-hmm. which are in a living, dynamic relationship with each other. And each one of us can enter this wheel through anything. Right. And we'll go through this wheel. Through, like I might enter this through sense of hearing. I might enter this through sense of touch. I might enter this through sense of ego. Huh. But I go into this circle. Uh-huh. And, and then I kind of, I'm taken into this wheel. And uh-huh. then the, I go around and round and oh, round. Okay. So, yeah. so you it, can enter any experience anything. through all these different, and I, any it, sense. It could yeah. be anything for you. And then you're in this wheel of senses where you're just going through and through. Round and round and round. round, and round in right. a living, growing, dynamic way. If I don't understand the living character of it, if I don't understand this flowing living character of it, and if I don't understand the human freedom 
in using entering the senses. So I always invite my students to enter it through freedom, mm. not with the unfreedom of n- needing to know the names in order, mm. putting them in the same order of <laughs> four lower senses, four middle senses, four higher senses, and then. So sometimes I present them as five and seven, sometimes six and six, sometimes uh, lower senses and higher senses. So it's, there's a lot of freedom, a lot of movement. So this way of meeting it through human life, human ethic, through day consciousness and night consciousness, and through freedom mm. and playfulness. Right. Yeah. Always important. <laughs> Very important for me. To work with 12 senses for me, it's important to be playful, mm-hmm. like a child. Mm-hmm. This uh, human being as a sense perceptive being is fascinating for me. Right. And it's very different from this intellectual cognitive processing which we encounter now out in the world. So thinking man and sensing man are different. Hmm. I don't want them to come close together, connect with each other too quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want them to dance. Beautiful. Yeah, with the <laughs> middle space, respect to the middle space. <laughs> right. So if that makes sense. No, that's great. And yeah. I think I think people will just have to go to the conference and learn more. <laughs> <laughs> and then dance. And then dance. And then dance. And hopefully we're going to have a webinar series, I think, on the 12 census. So um, yeah. I'll keep people so they can just get an introduction to yeah. this understanding that there's more than, mm. you know, seeing, hearing, tasting, smelling, touch, you know. There's... I come with curiosity. Yeah. Like a child. Yeah, yeah. Right. And go home with the curiosity still, but not with a closed concept. Right. The okay. moment I understand all of them, and then it's dead. Ah. Yeah. So to be, to like Dr. Carl Koenig says, living physiology. Mm-hmm. It's not a dead physiology. Right. So don't make a concept of senses, but stay in the sensing the senses. Right. I think for a doctor to say something like that is really extraordinary, honestly, because I feel like in in my experience with some physicians, there's a concept and it's a diagnosis and it's done and it's not a living, a lot, a living thing. So what a different way of working with people as a physician to have these living concepts of the human and yeah. the different parts of the human and how they go together. Yeah. I do feel actually from becoming doctor to the healer is actually bringing our life forces into it. Mm. Bringing images, like you said so beautifully, living way. Concept is a dead one. And I have, I need diagnosis. I need judgment. I need a concept. But I'm constantly adding my life to it. Yeah. So you said, you said from what to healing? You said from... Um, being a doctor? Yeah, to being a healer. To be a healer. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. In what? the process, I heal myself. That's a, that's a revolution right there. Self-healing, <laughs> yeah. Constantly in the cycle of self-healing. Mm-hmm. And I invite my clients into these journeys which I go through. Right. Or I enter their journeys. We share journeys. Sometimes we witness journeys. But we are all healing. Hmm. So... Yeah. That's, is there anything else you want to say that is just a gorgeous... Deep gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I want to say. I'm so grateful that I met Anthroposophy in this lifetime. I'm so grateful I was awake when it came in my life's pathway. And I'm so grateful for my firstborn child 
who's going to be 28 in August. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and I sometimes I feel she came here really waking me up mm. and giving this gift of anthroposophy. Thank you so much for Thank taking you. some time out of your busy day during your small break between sessions <laughs> to talk with me. I really appreciate it and keep up the good work and we'll just stay in touch and um, we'll let people know how to find you. Is there a way in particular they can find you? Yes. Um, one is, of course, my website, doclakshmi.com. Doc Lakshmi. So it's D-O-C-L-A-K-S-H-M-I. Okay, dot com, yeah. you said? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Well, now we watch out. <laughs> oh, sure. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on The Anthroposopher. Stay tuned for our next episode.